Dead Sea. And all those Jewish men and women walked across on dry ground. And when, the, when they were on the other side, the Lord spoke the word and, you know, the walls of the Red Sea came crashing down and destroyed the Egyptian army. And that wasn't enough. They also had manna in the desert, water from the rock, and all these great miracles. And I say all of that to say this, that up until a certain point in history, Jeremiah prophesied that God would be known as the God that brought Israel out of Egypt. That was a big deal. Everybody on the planet knew about that. Oh, that's the God that brought Israel. Egypt was the most powerful nation on the planet, and it was brought to its knees by the power of the living God. So they knew who that God was. But Jeremiah says, no longer will you be known as the God that brought Israel out of Egypt, which was a big deal. You will be known as something even greater when, the, when you bring all the Jewish people from all the nations of the earth and replant them back in their homeland. After 2,500 years of being dispersed to all the nations of the earth, the living God would do the impossible he would recreate a nation, which has never been done before. Recreate the nation, just like he said he would do. Give them their land, give them their identity, give them their language, give them a military force, all the things that he promised they would do. And that happened in 1948. And if you'll remember, Jesus in Matthew 24 says, when you see the fig tree, which is speaking of Israel, putting forth its buds, being rebirthed again, you'll know that that generation will not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. Well, we've been, what, 70 plus years or whatever it is now <laughs> since that happened. And so we can say with a great deal of confidence, we are that generation that will see these great things fulfilled. I had something happen uh, this weekend. I'm just kind of getting a little warmed up here before I get into my message, but also prophesying to you as we start. But I had something happen. I um, was, Amy and I were ministering in uh, a church that I had been connected to or affiliated with for over 20 years. Amazing church. The pastor of the church was Beanie Hens' right-hand man for 10 years and birthed a church in the year 2000 had, you know, two or 3,000 people in this church and just been a very, very fruitful church over these years. And so we were there this past weekend and I'm standing there during worship and I, I felt like someone from the cloud of witnesses was standing nearby, you know. The Bible tells us we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's in the scripture, undeniable. And I could just hear, as it were, if you, this, the voice of, someone that I knew really well, a man by the name of Bob Jones. And um, Bob and I were very close for 20 years before he went home to be with the Lord in 2014. But I could just, I could hear him as, as, if, as if he was standing right next to me, seemingly. And he reminded me of something that I haven't thought about in many years, but he reminded me that he had had an experience. He actually died in August the 8th of 1975, had an aneurysm in his abdomen. Uh, they rushed him to the hospital. He died temporarily, went to heaven, saw some things. We've talked about this before. But anyway, in his experiences in this heavenly realm, 
he uh, was allowed to see some of the saints of the early church. And what, what I was reminded of yesterday was that, you know, we think, oh, if I could just sit down and talk to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go over and I'm going to talk to John and I'm going to talk to Peter and I'm going to talk to Paul. I want to know what was it like, you know, to be a part of that first century church. And what surprised Bob when he had his experience, that they... Peter, Paul, and John came to him and said, listen, we want to know what was it like to be a part of that last day church? What was it like to prophesy into a generation of people that would be prepared to see the Lord return? They were more excited to, to talk to people of the last day church than we were to talk to people in the first century church because of the importance of the hour, because of the magnitude of the prophetic promises that will be fulfilled in the last days. Think about that. They're waiting. And I have a scripture for that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. They're waiting for you and I to inherit the promise so that they're made perfect, so that they are made perfect. That means that they surround us. They've earned the right Many of them died as martyred. Millions of them died as martyrs throughout the dark ages, believing the Lord would do something fantastic and bring in the harvest. And more than just evangelism, the harvest was all the words of God becoming mature. The Lord Himself rending the heavens. The Lord Himself coming down from heaven and coexisting in us, occupying us. I... He's, going to, he's living in us, abiding in us, and dwelling in us. And this is just some notes I had for today. Psalm 91 says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Who dwells in the shelter, dwelling, living there, abiding there. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Many, many years ago, back in the early 90s, the Lord spoke to me out of this verse. And he told me back then, 30 years ago, he said, he said, there is a place in God where you can dwell in the shelter of the Most High. You can abide under the shadow of His wings. Not just kind of going in and out every once in a while, you know, not just having an, a, an occasional encounter with God but dwelling, living, abiding, coexisting in a union experience with the Messiah. And I believe we're moving into that because we're going to have to taste the powers of the age to come. I know your conference is going to be about the age to come, about being this transition that we're in from this age into the age to come, introducing the millennial age. I, I know when I talked with your pastor uh, both Francis's that we talked about being millennials. What does it mean today to be a true millennial? I know they, they have the phrase out in the world about a millennial, but we are the true millennials. <laughs> We're, the millennial age is the 1,000 year reign of Christ. There will be a 1,000 years in our immediate future when the Lord Jesus Christ Himself in bodily form will come and set his feet on this planet 
and he will set up his throne in Jerusalem. And those that have overcome, those that are a part of the bride of Christ, will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years. That is literal. That is not symbolic. There will literally be. I mean, I could prove this so, so many ways, you know. One day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. This one day, the seventh day, the day of rest, when the Lord himself will come and he will annihilate the systems of this world, Satan's government. He's not going to redeem Satan's government. He's going to destroy it. That's what he says in, in uh, Daniel chapter 2 with a stone that is cut out of the mountain that will shatter and destroy that image that Nebuchadnezzar saw, which represents the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world. You know, we saw that, of course, beginning with Nebuchadnezzar and then moving down the, gold, the head of gold and the Medo-Persian kingdom and the Greek kingdom and finally the Roman kingdom, which we have seen for 2,000 years. Rome has been existing for 2,000 years. It changed forms from pagan Rome to Papa Rome, but Rome, Romanism has been alive and well. At the image of Nebuchadnezzar, you'll see there, I, I'm getting a little deep here for just a second, but track with me, read your Bible. But it talks about this image that Nebuchadnezzar saw that would run without, inter, without, inter, um, without some interval, without, without there being any kind of uh, breaking, without there being any kind of a uh, uh, pause. There will be a constant representation of that statue right up until the Lord himself comes and deals with that system. It's the systems of this world. If you'll read John, the Gospel of John, chapters 12 through 17, which is the night before the Lord was crucified, I would say that would be a pretty important conversation. <laughs> The Messiah knew that the following day he was going to be crucified. So he had this final night with his disciples and no doubt it was the most important conversation he could have possibly had. No doubt in those few hours that he had with them before his sufferings began, he would tell them the things of ultimate importance. And you'll notice in those chapters, John 12 through 17, that he mentioned the world and the things of the world in over 30 verses. 30 verses that deal with the Lord warning us. He says, the world has hated me and the world is going to hate you. Father, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. You know, and he talks about the ruler of the world. And that's talking about these systems, these the government of Satan that rules the world out there. And we're not a part of that. We are of a kingdom that is unseen right now. It is within us. The kingdom of heaven is within. Jesus said in John 18, 36, I believe it is, that his kingdom is not of this realm. So what we are, we're citizens of another kingdom. Philippians chapter 3. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our Bill of Rights, <laughs> our Constitution, which is the Word of God, what we operate by, the government that we are a part of is in heaven. The ultimate authority, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly await a Savior. We're waiting for His return, the Savior. 
who will transform us, change us from our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory through the exertion of the power He has to subject all things to Himself. So we're waiting for that. We're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for this appearing. We're waiting for this transformation. And so the coming of the Lord. I want to talk about this span of time that we have between right now, between the time you hear this message in the and uh, the end of the age, the end of this age, what's going to take place? That's going to be my heart to share with you today. So we're, I'm, we're preparing a people. We are, my ministry, you are, Cave of Adullam. You're doing some of the most important things we could possibly do. I believe we're hastening the coming of the Lord by making ready a people for the Lord to come to and cohabit with. The return of Christ comes in three phases. The Lord is coming to us, then He will come for us, then we will return with Him. <laughs> so He's coming to us as in spirit form. In Matthew 24, the word is parousia. I know your pastor has taught you these things, so I'm just, I'm just giving you these things because I, I know you've been grounded in the Word of God already. I could take the Scriptures and break them down and tell you the words, but... I know your, your ministry there has already done that. So when they asked him, what, what is the sign of your coming? The word coming there is parousia, the presence, the pillar of fire, the cloud by day. That, that coming, he's coming to us as a pillar of fire to dwell in us fully. And when I say us, the bride of Christ. People that have overcome, we must be overcomers. You know, over in Revelation chapter 15, you see an amazing scene where you see the throne again. You see it in Revelation 4, but you see it again over in Revelation 15 where, you know, there is this throne room realm and the sea of glass mingled with fire. And the victorious ones are standing on that sea of glass that is mingled with fire. And they sing a new song, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. That's you and I, friend. The ones that over the victorious ones is the word overcomer. The word is nakio in, in Greek. You see it seven times in Revelation two and three. To the church right, but to him that overcomes. Well, I grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the church right, okay, so he's writing to the church, the corporate group of people that have called upon the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sin. But from within that group, those that overcome the spirit of the age will eat of the hidden manna and they'll receive a white stone with a new name written upon it that no man knows save him that receives it. To the church right, but those that overcome, those that are victorious, those that conquer the spirit of the age, I will give them authority over nations. Those that overcome, I will give them white garments. Those that overcome... I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame to sit with the Father. So being a victor, being a conqueror, being an overcomer is vital. It is what makes you a part of the bride of Christ. That's where you see the separation of the wise virgins from the foolish virgins. Two groups of people. The church, but those that are wise, those that have made themselves ready are overcomers. We're not going to buy into the lukewarm spirit. Right now, whether you're in Nigeria, whether you're in 
United States or any part of the world, lukewarm, seeker-sensitive, traditional Christianity is a problem. (laughs) We must overcome that, especially in my nation here. Every Sunday, you've got tens of millions of people that just attend church and go through the rituals, if you will, of traditional church without any real awareness of the relationship that's available with the Lord Jesus Christ, without any real conscious understanding uh, of the hour in which we are living, the magnitude of the conflict that's about to exist between the realms of darkness and the realms of light. This is about to be a battle, a war, absolutely. You might as well just be upfront about it. There is about to be a clashing of these two kingdoms. The Bible tells us plainly the last day church will be a time of great darkness and the greatest light. When there's darkness on the earth and deep darkness on the people, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you and you're going to do great things. I love verse 5 in Isaiah chapter 60. It says, you will see by vision. You'll see by revelation. You'll see and become radiant. So that means the part of the last day conflict, while there is darkness and deep darkness out there, in here, I'm going to be a seer. I'm going to be prophetic. You and I will have a spirit of revelation on us. And what we see will make us radiant. (laughs) It's going to illuminate us. This is part of the last. This is what you will do as a millennial. As you begin to taste the powers of the age to come, you will become illuminated. You will see, verse 5, Isaiah chapter 60, you will see and what you see makes you radiant and your heart will tremble and be enlarged. That's what we call the enlarged heart. I have a whole message on that. Uh, The end time church, the Lord is going to increase our capacity, our ability to carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the ability to carry the presence, the ability to carry the glory to this generation. So yes, there is about to be a huge separation between those that serve God and those that do not serve God. So let me just, um, you know, that was my intro. So let me just, I want to, you know, mention a couple of things here in the, in the way of a, a scripture verses. I'm going to read two verses here, um, you know, really actually three, but I've already quoted one of them. And I want to make a one main point, and, and I'll read the scriptures, then I'll make the point. Luke 18, beginning at verse 29. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times as much in this time and in the age to come. In this age and in the age to come. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Okay, so my main point there is just from the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and from the words of the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You see two things. You see two ages. This age and the age to come. That's clearly in the Scripture. I could give you many more, 
I just picked two. So this age, and of course, you know, I don't want to get too deep here, but in the Bible, the word age is the Greek word ion. Sometimes it's translated world and people get confused because it talks about the end of the world. <laughs> well, in some, trans, some English translations, that word ion, age, gets translated world. So it talks about the end of the world. Well, people think about this cataclysmic event and the world is going to exist as if it were going to explode. That's not what it means. The end of the age or the end of the world means an end of an interval of time. There is an interval of time. And that time comes to an end and the next age begins. Okay? So we are now living at the very, very end of this age in preparation of the age to come. And as we do, those two ages are beginning to overlap. I hope you can see my little... <laughs> A little graphic here. And as, we, as we're getting closer to the kingdom age, the pull is greater. We're being pulled over into another realm by the, by the spirit of the age to come. And the age behind us becomes weaker and weaker. The pull of the things of the world becomes less. The pull of the future age to come Come becomes greater. We're being, it's like we're being drawn in to these kingdom dynamics. Now you might say, okay, now, Brother Paul Keith, I need, I need a scripture. I'll be happy to give you one. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 5. There is this progression that you see there, really four progressions in Hebrews chapter 6, you know, beginning really with verse 1 all the way through verse 5. Paul is talking, I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Paul is talking about moving beyond elementary principles. I know what I'm talking to you about today is not elementary principles. I'm talking to you about kingdom stuff. I believe that's what your pastor wants me to talk about, the kingdom stuff. What are we going to do between now and the end of this age? Whatever number of years that is. Let's just say we got 14, 20, 14 years maybe. I'm just, I'm going to pick a number. Say we've got 14 years. Somebody might say 20. Okay, we've got 20 years. Whatever it is. What's he going to do in that time frame? What, is the, what does the Bible say will, will be accomplished, will take place in that time frame as this age comes to an end and the new age begins? That's a great question. And Hebrews chapter 6 tells us we leave the elementary principles. And By the way, if you read what Paul considers to be elementary some people might think that's pretty deep stuff already. <laughs> but he says we're, we're moving on to maturity. We're not going to lay again a foundation of repentance of dead works and baptisms and all these various things. But then he begins to talk about a progression, being justified by faith, being washed by the water of the Word, the infilling of the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the activation of gifts. But then he mentions a fourth one, tasting the good Word of God and the powers of that future age the age to come. That's vital. That is absolutely vital because Paul predicts that there can be a people that come to a place in God that we can reach over into that millennial age, that 1,000 year age when the Lord Jesus Christ rules the earth in righteousness and we can taste it. We can bring back an introduction. You might you can even look over uh, 
you know, for an example, for a prototype of this, when Israel came out of Egypt, if you'll remember, Moses sent spies over into the land and some of them came back with a bad report. But Joshua and Caleb and the others, they went over into that land and said, oh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And they brought back the grapes of Eshcol. And that's the, what this will do. We will go over some people, forerunners, and, and it might as well be you and I. We reach over into that age and we taste the fruit of that land and we bring it back over here in the very end of this age and we introduce it to the body of Christ and say, here is the fruit of the age to come. And we know a lot about the, well, not a lot. We know a good bit about the age to come. Isaiah prophesied about it. There have been various scriptures that talk about what, what life will be like on the other side. This, you know, the, the level of power that's being granted on the other side. There are dimensions of the Spirit. For instance, I think Philip maybe tasted a little something about the age to come. Philip over, you know, in the book of Acts when he was transported, remember? He baptized the Ethiopian eunuch and he comes out of the water and all of a sudden Philip's gone and he's somewhere else. That's tasting the powers of the age to come. Jesus walked on water, not, a, not to just simply display something, to, but because it was necessary. He multiplied bread and fish. He displayed the powers of the age to come. And, and, and we saw various examples of this. When the, you, know, you speak a word and what you speak happens, we could certainly even see it in some of the Old Testament prophets. You know, when... Um, Oh, I'm just speaking off the top of my head now, but, you know, like when Elisha spoke and the axe handle swam, <laughs> uh, or when he blessed water and that water, the bitter water became sweet, and just various expressions of, of changing the elements, having authority over the elements. Jesus commanded the storm to be still. That's tasting the powers of the age to come displaying his authority over this realm and over this dimension and so on it goes. I could list many, many more examples, you know, of, of what this will look like that we know biblically. And even I could tell you some historically. There have been some people that lived even in the 20th century that began to taste the powers of the age to come. I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, Mariah Woodworth Edder, I spell Maria, the way we would say Maria here in the States, but uh, they pronounced it Mariah. And, uh, but she would have these displays of glory that would come into her meetings back in the early 1900s when a glory realm would fall in her tent. She would have tent meetings and people would fall out in the sawdust for days at a time, some of them. And we're told it's documented, even secular media. I have newspaper clippings from secular media that tells us the testimonies of some of what happened in these meetings. Some of those men and women that were slain in the, in the glory realm, there for some for hours, some for a day, would get up out of the sawdust and would be commissioned to foreign countries able to speak the language to which they were being sent. We know the stories of how Mariah Woolworth Edder would be preaching and all of a sudden she would be frozen as if in the middle of a word, just frozen. And sometimes hours would go by, sometimes days. I think the longest they documented was three days when she stood frozen in a certain position. 
and people would march past her under that glory realm and would be saved and delivered. And all of a sudden she would come out of that and finish the word that she was saying when she went into that. I hope you can see that picture. So that was the Lord showing his dominion over time, that God is the God of time. There will be time miracles. I, mean, I could go on and on. William Branham clearly moved in the powers of the age to come. and He spoke to storms. I remember the testimony when he was up on a mountain in Colorado and uh, this big, huge storm had been predicted by, by the weather people and he had taken a group of pastors up on this mountain to hunt and he told them, as soon as you start seeing the snow come, as soon as the the clouds move in, you make a run for it and go back down to the cabin because if you get caught up on the mountain, you could die. And so sure enough, he's up on this mountain in Colorado and uh, the storm comes in and, you know, he's, he turns and he's going to go down to the cabin where there's safety and the Lord speaks to him, tells him not to go back to the cabin, but to speak to the storm. <laughs> And he did. He spoke to the storm and within minutes of saying the word, commanding that storm to leave, he said the skies were blue and the sun came out and began to, you know, beam down on top of him. And I'll finish the story. I, I, I'm, I'm already in this. And so even the news media were baffled. They have no idea where the storm went. It was predicted. It was forecast. Everybody knew. They were all getting ready. They were getting prepared for this major snowstorm that was undeniably coming through. And just as it begins, it went away just as fast as it started. And so he's still up on the mountain, you know. And the Lord says, walk up this way with me. And so he just began to walk, you know, on the mountain. And, and uh, he began to think about his life. This was towards the end of his life. He began to think about his life, and he felt like he had done nothing for the Lord. <laughs> he was a man that had seen millions of people saved and healed and delivered. But, and all of a sudden, he looks down, and he's a young man again. His hands looked young, and you know he, he could tell that for just a moment, the Lord allowed him to see himself, what it's like when we are renewed. And our bodies are turned back into young men and young women. Remember, I quoted the verse that He will transform us from our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. That might stretch some of you, but I believe it. I believe that we, I believe, let me just go ahead and say this. I believe we can, we have a scripture, a couple of, that tells us that we can live strong and healthy and full of life. We don't have to get old and feeble and sick and run down. I believe that. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead abides in you, then He who raised Jesus from the dead will quicken and make alive your mortal body. He will rejuvenate you. We even see that, of course, over in the life of Abraham. When he and Sarah were, he was 100, she was 90, past childbearing age. <laughs> Oh, and God did something fantastic for them. He did. He turned them back into young people. You want to know how I know that? Because two chapters later, after that experience, 
90-year-old Sarah <laughs> and Abraham go down into the south country where there's a king named Abimelech and he sees the beauty of Sarah, who's 90, who the Bible just told us two chapters earlier was old, advanced in age. <laughs> kind of hurt her feelings. Sarah was old, advanced in age, incapable of having relations with her husband, and he was incapable. And now they go down to the south country a couple of chapters later, and Abimelech sees her great beauty and wants to bring her into his harem, into his kingdom, to have relations with her. She's 90. So what did God do in that tent a couple of chapters earlier? And you might, might remember the story. <laughs> you know, Sarah was being prepared as it happened in that day. You know, whatever ceremonial things they go through because he was going to have sex with her. Let me just say the word. And the night before, the Lord appeared to Abimelech. Just think about this. Here is 90-year-old Sarah that had been turned back into a young woman and this king was about to have relations with her. But the Lord said she was going to be, a, that she would bear through Abraham a son. And so the Lord appears to Abimelech and says, you touch that woman and I'll kill you and everybody in your house. <laughs> in fact, I'll close the womb of every woman in your kingdom and I'll wipe your entire kingdom off of the face of the earth in one year, in one generation. And Abimelech says, Lord, you knew the integrity of my heart. This is an amazing passage of scripture. Here is this Abimelech king that we don't know anything about. He says, Lord, you knew the integrity of my heart. This man said that was his sister. I didn't know that was his wife. And the Lord said, yes, because I know the integrity of your heart. I have kept you from sinning against me. But make, but make no mistake about it. You touch that woman and I'll kill you dead. Go read it in your Bible. You know, Moses, under an old covenant seal with the blood of bulls and goats, was as strong at 120 as he was at 40 because he lived in this realm of the Spirit that we are, you know, second, I believe it's second, uh, second Corinthians, maybe first Corinthians, I think it's second Corinthians 3, where Paul talks about the fact that if, if Moses had to veil himself, veil his face, under an inferior covenant, why, why don't we live in greater realms of glory? So that means that we don't have, we can, our eyes can be strong, our, our strength can be great. This is part of the last day outpouring. Let me just go ahead and say it another way. I'm prophesying to you that before the Lord returns for us, there will be people on this earth that are not young that will have the strength of a young man and of a young woman. That will happen. They will enter into a place of union with the Lord and He will strengthen them. And he'll give them vigor and vitality and he'll renew them. And he'll quicken and make alive their mortal bodies just like it says in Romans chapter 8. Why? As a tasting of the powers of the age to come. That's going to happen. You mark it down, that will happen. I'd like to be one of those. I'd like to be one of those people that experiences that. I'll tell you another secret. Part of the key of that will be in communion. You know... Um, communion is a, is a lost spiritual experience for many. 
in one extreme, they, they made it out to be something it wasn't, and the Protestant church has turned around and made it a cold ritual without any real meaning. But there will be a body of people that understand what it means to bless the bread and the cup. The Lord took the, the bread and he blessed it. He took the cup and he gave thanks. And when we begin to enter into this revelatory experience with the Lord that's going to be part of our last day outpouring, we'll understand that when we take that bread and we bless it, we're speaking life into that piece of bread. We're speaking life into that cup. And when we take it into our bodies, it releases into us life. That's the way I pray when I take communion. Lord, I, I bless this bread with life. And as I take this bread, I'm taking within my body the very life of God, the life that quickens the mortal bodies and so forth. Well, just with a few minutes that I have left, I, I kind of went a different direction here than I had intended, but I, I feel very good about what we have shared here. The main point that I was making is that this age is coming to an end and the new age is about to begin. We have, and we can prove that to you. You know, I started down that road a moment ago. Israel's back in her homeland. She's a nation that starts the clock ticking when Jerusalem came back into the hands of the Jewish people. That escalated the clock. We have, we are way down the road. We have only a few years left. I don't know how many. I can't say how many. I don't think it's as many as some may think. I think it's um, most of us probably. I believe we'll be, we'll, we'll be able to see the Lord's return. He's coming to us in this span of time. He's coming in us, through us, abiding in us, doing through us. I remember years ago I asked the Lord, what is the real meaning of the kingdom? I used to get asked the question you know, quite a bit, are you kingdom now? Are you kingdom? <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't churched. <clears throat> the Lord just kind of plucked me out of the wilderness and <laughs> He put His Spirit on me, so I, I didn't go to church, and I didn't know all the lingo, all the language. And so I was preaching about the kingdom of God. And they, so I had people write, well, now are you kingdom now theology or whatever? And I, I'm just Bible theology. I just believe the Bible, whatever that means. I just believe the Word of God. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within, okay? And we'll taste the powers of the kingdom age to come. That's what I believe. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, help me understand this. You know, they want me to give them a definition of what I believe the kingdom is. And I heard the Lord say, uh, tell them that the kingdom is the Lord Jesus Christ living and abiding in his people, doing through his people what he did when he walked the earth in human form. That's the kingdom. <clears throat> That's the greater works generation. That's the capstone generation. The capstone comes with shouts of grace, grace. I'm speaking out of Zechariah chapter 4, which is part of what will be fulfilled when I do my little thing here. This little span of time, whatever, maybe it's two more sevens. Maybe we've got seven years of plenty when we bring in the harvesting of the harvesters and then seven years that follow that when it gets really, really dark out there and we turn these champions loose on, on planet earth. Maybe that's what it looks like. But during that span of time, the capstone will come with shouts of grace, grace. There will be a bride that has made herself ready that knows intimacy and fellowship with God on a scale that we've only dreamed of so far. 
There will be sons of the kingdom that have experienced full spiritual adoption according to Romans 8.23 and they will do the very same works Jesus did. They'll speak and when they speak things happen. They'll have authority over the elements. They'll have authority over storms. They'll have authority over famine. They'll have authority over drought and all the various things. They'll speak and when they speak, something will happen. That'll be part of this last day outpouring. There are many more things. This will be a righteous generation. Uh, Psalm 14, 5. It'll be the generation, this little span of time, a generation of men and women that truly, genuinely seek the face of God. Psalm 24. They'll seek His face. Now, I, I'm sure you understand what I mean when I say that. You know, there's been a lot of people that seek the Lord's blessings but this group will seek His presence. <laughs> they'll seek His person. They, they'll be more concerned. They'll be a Martha. They'll take what's important. the ways of God, understanding his heart, his desire, his motivations of why he does things, the friends of God. This will be what we're moving into now. We're coming to the end of this age, introducing the age to come. All right, the Lord coming to us, then he'll come for us, <laughs> take us out of here, 1 Thessalonians 4, then he'll return with us. Revelation chapter 19. That's going to be the end of the age. This is that span of time we're in. When these things begin to take place, whatever number of years that is. Now when I said, I'm just throwing out a number, but let's, the reason I say 14 is because the Lord told me we have two cycles of seven that are coming. A cycle of seven that will be identified according to uh, Genesis 41 where Pharaoh had the dream and Joseph interprets the dream, seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. Then after that seven years, the Lord is coming for us and then you'll see the Lord dealing with the Antichrist and all those things. So I'm just using those two cycles of seven because of Genesis 41. I'm not saying that's exactly how many years it is. Please understand that. No man knows the day or the hour. <laughs> but you know, it also says we're sons of light. And that hour is not supposed to overtake us like we're in darkness. We're not supposed to be groping around, you know, wandering around in darkness. What it means to bless the bread and the cup. The Lord took the, the bread and He blessed it. He took the cup and He gave thanks. And when we begin to enter into this revelatory experience with the Lord that's going to be part of our last day outpouring, we'll understand that when we take that bread and we bless it, we're speaking life into that piece of bread. We're speaking life into that cup. And when we take it into our bodies, it releases into us life. That's the way I pray when I take communion. Lord, I, I bless this bread with life. And as I take this bread, I'm taking within my body the very life of God. 
the life that quickens the mortal bodies and so forth. Well, just with a few minutes that I have left, I, I kind of went a different direction here than I had intended, but I, I feel very good about what we have shared here. The main point that I was making is that this age is coming to an end and the new age is about to begin. We have, and we can prove that to you. You know, I started down that road a moment ago. Israel's back in her homeland. She's a nation that starts the clock ticking when Jerusalem came back into the hands of the Jewish people. That escalated the clock. We have, we are way down the road. We have only a few years left. I don't know how many. I can't say how many. I don't think it's as many as some may think. I think it's um, most of us probably, I believe, will be, will, will be able to see the Lord's return. He's coming to us in this span of time. He's coming in us, through us, abiding in us, doing through us. I remember years ago I asked the Lord, what is the real meaning of the kingdom? I used to get asked the question you know, quite a bit, are you kingdom now? Are you kingdom? <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't churched. <clears throat> the Lord just kind of plucked me out of the wilderness and <laughs> he put his spirit on me. So I, I didn't go to church and I didn't know all the lingo, all the language. And so I was preaching about the kingdom of God. And they, so I had people write, well, now are you kingdom now theology or whatever? And I, I'm just Bible theology. I just believe the Bible, whatever that means. I just believe the word of the kingdom of God. And they, so I had people write, well, now are you kingdom now theology or whatever? And I, I'm just Bible theology. I just believe the Bible, whatever that means. I just believe the word of God. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within, okay, and will taste the powers of the kingdom age to come. That's what I believe. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, help me understand this. You know, they want me to give them a definition of what I believe the kingdom is. And I heard the Lord say, uh, tell them that the kingdom is the Lord Jesus Christ living and abiding in his people, doing through his people what he did when he walked the earth in human form. That's the kingdom. <clears throat> that's the greater works generation. That's the capstone generation. The capstone comes with shouts of grace, grace. I'm speaking out of Zechariah chapter 4, which is part of what will be fulfilled when I do my little thing here, this little span of time, whatever, maybe it's two more sevens. Maybe we've got seven years of plenty when we bring in a harvesting of the harvesters and then seven years that follow that when it gets really, really dark out there and we turn these champions loose on, on planet Earth. Maybe that's what it looks like. But during that span of time, the capstone will come with shouts of grace, grace. There will be a bride that has made herself ready that knows intimacy and fellowship with God on a scale that we've only dreamed of so far. There will be sons of the kingdom that have experienced full spiritual adoption according to Romans 8.23 and they will do the very same works Jesus did. They'll speak and when they speak things happen. They'll have authority over the elements. They'll have authority over storms. They'll have authority over famine. They'll have authority over drought and all the various things. They'll speak and when they speak, something will happen. That'll be part of this last day outpouring. There are many more things. This will be a righteous generation. Uh, Psalm 14, 5, 
It'll be the generation, this little span of time, a generation of men and women that truly, genuinely seek the face of God. Psalm 24, they'll seek His face. Now, I'm sure you understand what I mean when I say that. You know, there's been a lot of people that seek the Lord's blessings, but this group will seek His presence. (laughs) They'll seek His person. They'll be more concerned. They'll be a Martha. They'll take what's important and seek it. Fellowship, intimacy, relationship with the Lord. One group will be servants, but this group will be friends. Oh, what, what about that amazing designation that we could, he'll say, I'm not going to call you a servant anymore. You're my friend. The friends of God. That's what this last day, the generation that seeks his face will be known as the friends of God. Think about that. I don't know. I mean, we're sons and daughters. I get that. But as, as a function on planet earth, to be known as the friend of God, no longer do I call you a servant. That's what he told his disciples. No longer do I call you a servant, but I'll call you my friend. And I'll reveal to you everything the Father shows me. That means you're brought into a place of confidence. He'll, with his friends, he'll tell you secrets that he won't tell his servants. Servants just go do what they're told. Go do this, and you don't have to understand why you're doing it. Friends, he'll give you the understanding of the ways of God. One group, one group sees the, the, the blessings of God. The other group understands the ways of God. Understanding his heart, his desire, his motivations of why he does things. The friends of God. This will be what we're moving into now. We're coming to the end of this age, introducing the age to come. All right, the Lord coming to us. Then he will come for us, <laughs> take us out of here. 1 Thessalonians 4. Then he'll return with us. Revelation chapter 19. That's going to be the end of the age. This is that span of time we're in. When these things begin to take place, whatever number of years that is. Now when I said, I'm just throwing out a number, but the reason I say 14 is because the Lord told me we have two cycles of seven that are coming. A cycle of seven that will be identified according to uh, Genesis 41 where Pharaoh had the dream and Joseph interprets the dream, seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. Then after that seven years, the Lord is coming for us and then you'll see the Lord dealing with the Antichrist and all those things. So I'm just using those two cycles of seven because of Genesis 41. I'm not saying that's exactly how many years it is. Please understand that. No man knows the day or the hour. (laughs) But you know, it also says we're sons of light. And that hour is not supposed to overtake us like we're in darkness. We're not supposed to be groping around, you know, wandering around in darkness, hoping we find where God is. No, not at all. Not for us. For the world, yes. Not for us. We're sons of light. You're supposed to know what hour you live in. We're supposed to know when to have this expectation of the Lord's return. Let me just, you know, let me finish this and I'll come back. One final point before we close off today. So I'm going to go through 12 things very quickly that I believe will take place during this span of time. I already mentioned that this will be, this will be an anointing that will allow a generation of remnant, a remnant of overcoming saints to seek His face. His face, not just His hand. You understand what that means. It will be the, 
Joel's army, latter rain generation. You know, Joel talks about the former rain and the latter rain. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. This is the Joel 2 paradigm. You can just read that for yourself. It'll be the greater works. I've already talked about that, John 14, 12. This span of time will see sons of the kingdom that do the works the Lord did and even greater works. It'll be the harvest generation, Matthew 13. Jesus said the end of the age is the harvest. Well, that, that's the end of this ion, the end of this span of time just before the new age begins will be harvest. So during this little interval of time, harvest. The Bible said so. Jesus did. But it's not just the harvesting of wheat or the sons of the kingdom, but also the harvesting of tares. They'll be gathered together. So that means the tares, make-believe Christianity, will be gathered over here while the wheat is gathered over there. There'll be a separation of the two. You also see this over in Revelation chapter 14. When you see the end of the ages, the harvest, and the Lord comes out of his temple and he, thro he thrusts in his sickle and he gathers the harvest of the righteous. Then you see a second harvest coming when he thrusts in his sickle and gathers the grapes of the earth and he puts them in the winepress of the wrath of God. And the blood of the wicked comes out of the winepress up to the bridle of a horse for the space of 200 miles. Oh my goodness. I could do a whole teaching on that. We don't have time today. But when it talks about grapes, it's talking about the Feast of Tabernacles during the time in human history. When you see the Feast of Tabernacles being exhibited, the prophetic implications of tabernacles. I realize, I realize I'm teaching some stuff here that I could spend an hour on, but I'm just going to introduce it to you pastor can take this and go further with it at some point. But the grape, the, you know, the, the fruit harvest is associated with tabernacles, the oil and the wine, the grapes. And that's what's indicative of this last day harvest. Two harvests, harvesting of the righteous, harvesting of the wicked. <clears throat> it is the restoration of all things generation. During this last little span of time, everything that was prophesied by the prophets to be restored will be. Acts chapter 3, verse 21. It's the third day ministry when he binds up the wounded he has afflicted. After two days, on the third day, he will bind us up together and heal us and abide in us and do through us what he said he would do before time began. It is the plumb line ministry. Zechariah chapter 4, these seven, the seven spirits of God will rejoice when they see the plumb line, pure, undiluted truth. Truth that is not filtered through the mind of man. Truth that is not filtered through religious traditions. Just spirit of truth revelation that comes to us to wash our garments pure and clean in the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what will happen during this span of time. Here again, I know that your pastors and teachers can take each one of these and do a whole message on them, and I'm sure they will. It is the powers of the age to come generation. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 5, I've already touched on that. The sons of the kingdom, Matthew 13, Romans 8, I've already touched on that. This, this is the span of time when Romans chapter 8 will be fulfilled. 
and that all of creation is groaning, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Now just think about that. Creation itself is under the burden of sin. And the Lord Jesus came to redeem all things. Even, even the creation itself and the sons of God will begin to relieve creation, will speak to the creative realm, to the creation itself. Uh, there's just this whole dynamic, and I know we're not, we're not seeing it yet on, in its fullness, but we will see it in this short span of time that's in front of us before the end of this age. And it will be the seven thunders. <laughs> And that's a really deep subject, and I have done uh, quite a number of podcasts. You can go to our app, White Dove Ministries app, and I have a section called All Eyes on You Podcast. There, you know, right now, I mean, it is as of today, I think we have around 11 30-minute um, podcasts that are up dedicated to the single subject of the seven thunders. What does it look like when these seven thunders utter their voices on planet earth, which is Revelation chapter 10, a major significant event in human history when these secrets that are hidden in the heart of the Father are revealed on planet earth. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 becomes a reality. Things which eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, things which have not yet even entered in the heart of man will be spoken on planet earth by the sons of the kingdom and the bride of Christ. We will be entrusted with revelation that has never been prophesied on the earth. I'm, I'm pausing on that on purpose. Just think about the magnitude and the importance of what will take place in these years that we have right, right directly in front of us if we want to be a part of it, you know. You know what, a lot of people will have no interest in what I've been, I've spent an hour now talking to you about what the Lord is going to do between right now and, and His return. And there are millions of people that call themselves Christians that have no interest in what I just said. They just, you know, we just, especially in America, especially here in America, it's, it's sad, it's heartbreaking. But on the other side, there's this little remnant people these, these, that little army of people that want God. I, I can't read these things in the scriptures without wanting them for myself. When I read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul was caught up to the third, I couldn't help it. I wanted to go. And thank the Lord, I've had some experiences. But I couldn't help it. I read it and, and way back in 1990. And I said, Lord, I didn't even know you were willing to do such a thing again. But if you're still willing to take somebody to heaven, I want to go. <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. And it wasn't some little passing prayer. It was the very cry of my soul. If you took a man like John on the island of Patmos and you caught him away in the spirit to let him see supernatural things, I, I want to see some of those things. If you, if you take a, a man and let him pray for a cancer-riddled body, full of death and you can speak a word over that person and they would be healed and restored back to life. I, I want to see that. If you're going to multiply bread, I, I can't help it. It's just in my DNA. I want to see it. And don't you? Isn't there something on the inside of you that says, Lord, don't leave me out. 
I want to be a part of these things. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see the Lord. You know what? I don't even have to have a big ministry. I told the Lord, I don't have to have a big ministry. Just let me walk with you. <laughs> just, let me, just let me see your face. Let, let me know that supernatural dimension that you said we have a right to because we are born again by the Spirit. So I, that brings me to a final point that I'll share today. Who is he going to use to do these things with? What is the attitude we're to have? That's a better way of putting that question. What should our attitude be right now concerning the return of the Lord? It's a good question. There are ministry people here in the United States especially that are saying, oh, the Lord's coming is way down the road. We're to just enjoy this world. We're to just live in this world and enjoy the world. Some of them are even saying we're going to take over the things of this world. I can't find that in the Bible. Uh, in fact, what I see in the Bible is just the very opposite. Listen to what Paul said. Listen to what Paul said. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 6, but verse 8 is my main point. For I am our Paul. Now, here again, here's Paul, the apostle, coming to the end of his life. You know, he did all that he did, 30-something years of ministry, around 35 years of ministry. <laughs> Can you imagine what that man saw and did? He even said one time he had such an abundance of revelations that a buffeter was allowed in his life. He said, The gospel that I preach came not by the teaching of men or the reading of a book, but by the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know a man in Christ, whether in the body or out, I do not know, but such a man was caught up to the third heaven and saw things that I don't even have words to express. Things so great, things so fantastic, the human language is not even adequate to convey them because they are just beyond the realm of the natural and they go into the realm of the supernatural. He also said over in the book of Philippians, this is the Apostle Paul. I'm going to get back to my scripture here. But Paul also said over in the book of Philippians, um, what did he say? How did it go? He said, um, all that I may know him, all that I may know him. This is at the end of his life. He's looking back. He's saying, oh, that I may know him, the Lord, and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He saw something. He had a vision. He had an experience. And he saw what is waiting for us on the other side. And it was so fantastic. It was so glorious that words cannot even convey it. It can only be imparted by revelation. The Lord has been trying to give me little pieces of that revelation, and I don't have the words to say it. I had something happen to me on April, on April the 7th, you know, and you try the best you can to speak words <laughs> to convey what you saw and heard, but they words fail. They don't really convey what you experienced or what you felt, but, but Paul saw something. We, we, we just kind of sometimes, you know, we yeah, the resurrection of the dead. No, when the resurrection of the dead happens, think about this, you and I will be given a body just like the one Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has. Think about the potential 
of that body, a body that cannot even die. Jesus said so. You might say, well, these are things that are not important. Well, Jesus said it was pretty important. Over in Luke chapter 20, begin about verse 35. He says, those that are found worthy to attain to the age to come and the resurrection of the dead cannot even die for they're like angels being sons of God and sons of the resurrection. That's what's on the other side. That's what's waiting for us just a little bit down the road. A body that cannot even die. <laughs> we'll be like, we'll be like, it didn't say we are, it says we'll be like angels being sons of God and the sons of the resurrection with authority and power. That's what's on the other side. And I'm speaking to a body of people and I know that's your desire. I know that's what you want. So now let me go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Begin at verse 6. Verse 8 is my main point. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Now here, here is my main point. So let me, I'm going to do a little commentary here. In the future, in the future, at some future day, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the judge, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, but not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Now let me make a couple of points, and we're going to close. So here is Paul. He knew that his life was coming to an end. And he knew by vision, by revelation, something fantastic awaits him. And he, and he talked about a future day. In the future. Okay, all right. Now, at what point in the future? When the Lord brings in the consummation of the ages. When the Lord comes to his people, for his people, and with his people. There is laid up for me. So he saw down the road to a day in which we are imminently in front of. In the future, Paul said. In, let's just say 2022. <laughs> there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. All right? What, what, what do crowns represent? All right? Stick, stick with me here for a minute. There is a thing called the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? Not something to be feared. You can read about it. Paul teaches on it when we will all stand before the Lord at the end of this age, just before the beginning of the next age, when we will all stand before the Lord and He will reward us for what we have done on the earth. It will be a great day. It'll be a glorious day. That's what Paul referred to right here. In this future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Jesus said in uh, Revelation 22, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. All right? It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with His arm ruling with Him. This is talking about the coming of the future age, the millennial age, when He rules planet earth with power and glory and honor. He is coming and His arm will rule for Him and His reward will be with Him. That's all the way back in the book of Isaiah. 
prophesying a future day, the day in which we're living, when the Lord will, will culminate everything with a body of people that happen to be on planet Earth. That's you and I. We could have lived in the days of Isaiah. We could have lived in the days of the Dark Ages, which would have been horrible. But instead, you and I have been chosen to live in this hour that Enoch prophesied about. Think about that for just a minute. An hour when this thing is culminated and we can stand before the judge. That's what John saw in Revelation chapter 1. The sevenfold revelation of his glory that John saw in Revelation 1 is a representation of the end of the age when the Lord stands at the end of the age, looks back over the church as a judge, and he renders a verdict in favor of the saints. Paul saw this. He prophesied about it. There is laid up for me in the future a crown of righteousness. The Lord, um, for us, he says, I'm coming. He said in, uh, in Revelation 22, Revelation 22, the Lord is coming quickly and his reward is with him. That means that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul is clear about this. Read it for yourself. What we have done on planet earth will be judged by the Lord. All the things we've done for him will be rewarded. If you have won souls, you get a soul winner's crown. If you have taught truthfully the word of God, you get a crown of righteousness. And so on it goes. We get a crown to represent a reward for what we have done on planet earth. I'd like to get a crown or two. I'd like to stand at the end of the age and the Lord say, you did good, Paul Keith. You fought for truth. You took, you know, you weren't afraid to, you weren't, you, you didn't try to please men. You tried to please God and whatever it takes to please the Lord. We can sit at the judgment seat of Christ. He will evaluate our life, not to judge us, not to punish us, but to reward us. It's called the doctrine of rewards. I have a whole teaching on it. You can go back into my webinars. I did a 90 minute teaching on the judgment seat of Christ. But I'm trying to get to one main point here, you know, that Paul made. The attitude that we're to have. What is our attitude? So Paul saw the future time when there would be a crowns, crowns given to people, rewards given to them. Isaiah prophesied it. The Lord is coming with his rewards and his recompenses with him. That means if you've done great things for the Lord, he is going to repay you. He'll give you something of great value. And it'll be represented by these crowns that we wear that give us proximity to the Lord Himself. Now let me go back to verse 8 and make one final point. For there is in the future laid up for me a crown of righteousness at the judgment seat of Christ, which the Lord, the righteous judge, Revelation chapter 1, will, re will award to me on that day. It's the doctrine of awards, reward and awards. It's an award ceremony because you served God on planet earth. You paid a price. You endured some hardship. You fought for truth. You weren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believed the hard truth when it would have been easier to go another road that, uh, that was not as resistant, that wasn't as difficult, that wasn't as painful. <laughs> you chose the right things. And as a res result, you will be awarded on that day. Paul, Paul said, and said, I will be rewarded this, but it's not only going to be for me, but it will also be for all who have loved His appearing. 
The word love there is agape, to long for with the deepest desire. So what is our attitude? We are to long for with the deepest desire His appearing. Oh, I'm looking for His appearing. Now, while I'm here, I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to do video blogs. I'm going to speak to my friends in Nigeria. I'm going to teach the Word. I'm going to try to win the lost. I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to, every single day, I'm going to do something that advances the kingdom of heaven. But my attitude is, I'm longing for, with the deepest desire, the appearing of the Lord. Read Revelation chapter 22. When the Lord says, what? I'm coming quickly. Be ready. I'm coming. I'm returning. The return of Christ is, should be the number one thought in our minds. The Lord is coming. I long for, I love His appearing. When He appears at the end of the age with the doctrine of rewards and He rewards us for all that we've done. I, Lord, when You come and You appear and You annihilate the things of this world, Listen, this world and the things of the world are our enemy. John, the Apostle John in the epistle of John said, if you love the world and the things of the world, the love of God is not even in you. That means these systems out there, not people. We love people. We want to see people come to the Lord. We want to see people healed and delivered. People are tormented all around us every day. There is poverty, there is sickness, there is difficulty, there is oppression, there is violence, all these things. Those are all the things of the world. We hate them. Now here in America, the things of the world are sometimes appealing. Amusement parks and, and fun and activity and entertainment and lustful TV programs and all of the different things. That's the world. It's our enemy. The systems of this world are our enemy. Jesus said so. Read, read John chapter 17. You'll get a pretty good idea of what the Lord thinks about the things of this world. But we are longing with the deepest desire for His appearing so that we can enter into this resurrected body. We can enter into this realm of glory. We can receive the crowns of righteousness we're living in that span of time when this age will come to an end and the new age will begin. We'll praise the Lord. I pray the Lord will take these things. I've said a lot today. <laughs> I realize that. And I'm sure you'll have to listen maybe multiple times and sit down with your Bible. Sit down with your Bible and see if these things aren't so. Don't take my word for it. Get your Bible. Take every scripture I have quoted. Read them for yourself. Ask the Spirit of truth to open these things up to you so that you have faith in the Word of God, so that you're made ready. Lord, I bless all of our friends Hallelujah. in Nigeria. I bless Cave of Adulam. Lord, may, may this ministry steward into the age truth. May this ministry make ready a people for the coming of the Lord. May the Cave of Adulam, our friends there, may they be friends of the bridegroom with the spirit and power of Elijah. I'm going to speak that over you guys. That the spirit and power of Elijah would rest upon you as you make ready these people. Amen. Not only the ones that are sitting in the room where you are, 
but those that you'll minister to that by media, by online ministries, by various forms uh, of, of communication, may you reach out to them through the Spirit to make them ready to provoke the people. I'm prophesying that of you guys, that what you bring will provoke them, that it will awaken something. You'll, uh, you'll be given a spirit of awakening. That you'll have the ability to break off of people lethargy and apathy. Oh, I felt, some, I felt something on that. I believe one of the main things you're dealing with there in Nigeria is apathy and lethargy and these kind of things that really are part of the Laodicean spirit. But, but apathy, just, they just are not concerned about these things. But I pray you'll be the antidote to that. You'll have something that when the people hear your words, your words will have life on them. Your words will have spirit on them and it will break off of their hearts these realms of darkness that has prevented the gospel from getting in. I, I just saw that when I said those words. I saw the hearts of people with a layer of darkness around them, but the Lord's going to give you a spirit to break off that veil around their heart so light can come into their hearts. That's what I just saw in a vision that this veil of darkness can be broken off of the hearts of many of the people you deal with there. I'm, I'm speaking locally now. I know that you'll have some by way of media, but I feel like even locally in this geographic re region where you are, there will be um, people responding because God's going to give you an anointing to break off this curtain. I saw it like a curtain or a veil around the hearts of people these curses that have been released in your nation to prevent people from believing the truth, I pray that it would be broken by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we would all be covered by the blood, covered by the grace and the, uh, and the, and the spirit and the power of the living God, that these hearts can be opened. And I saw beams of light coming in to their hearts to receive the truth. Grant that, Lord. I bless our friends. I pray that you would anoint them mightily, that you would release your glory to them, that they would make ready this community of people for the coming, that we would love his appearing, that you would long for with the deepest desire the appearing of the Lord. Grant that, Lord, to our friends. We love and appreciate so much. Grant that we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen and amen. God bless you. Our answer. I still insist that we should pray just in the Holy Ghost to further engage the fatherly spirit that have been released, grace that have been released and Paul and our midst. This is not something you just pick on the road. This is very unique. Can we engage this as we pray in the Holy Ghost? Samana <laughs> I see in a quarter, Prada, Tata, Shadada, Hatataya. 
The blueprint is getting clearer. Christ is being unveiled. And the age to come is getting closer, 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 closer. Via the revelation of his word. Oh, thank you, Father. Yes, thank you, Father. When men are casting down, we will declare there is lifting up. <laughs> when darkness is pervading the heart, we will be imagined, the church will be imagined. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. You can have your sister, man. Um, to take us further is an apostle of his presence, apostle of intimacy and communion. Talking about our brother, Apostle Dan Ladiasan, as he comes up right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to first and foremost dispel uh, that. Amen. I'm not an apostle. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, in the world to come, there will be no fivefold, no titles. There will be no apostle, there will be no prophet, there will be no pastor, no evangelist, no teacher. Amen. The sons of God in their various capacities and their various manifestations of that nature. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. The only apostles there will be the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And nobody can enter that office. No matter their manifestation. Uh, you know, if you read the life of someone like Apostle Ayo Babalola, he has more manifestations. That's the truth. He has more manifestations than, let's say, an Apostle Peter. Manifestations. I've read his life history. He's terrible. He's, he's, he's a terrible human being. And, but he cannot be the Apostle of the Lamb upon which the foundation of the city is laid. We want to honor our fathers. You know, when Papa Paul Keith Davis was talking, I'm not going to preach. You see, it's spiritual protocol, I believe. When a father has spoken like that, you don't 
Come and shout on it. We'll do more praying. You see, when you listen to them, Bobby Connor, Bob Jones, you see, their speech is not comely. You can sleep off when they are talking. But if you know their walk with the Lord, and you know, when he was talking, I was just there, I said, Lord. Let me not be a spectator in this. The, the, the hunger you put in this man. There are consecrations. Where did they get it? Amen. And you see, when he said that Paul and Peter, when they came to Bob Jones, and they were telling him, you people want to fellowship with us and speak with us to see how it was in our days. But we actually want to meet you people and talk to you how it is in your day. Two things. Have you read? You know, the Bible says, let us be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So men have inherited the promise. You know, I'm sorry, who pray mostly. I, I've read and just, I've gone back to the fathers, the fathers of the latter rain, the f and the fathers of the latter and the former rain. He's the father of the latter and the former rain. And Amen. If what they, those ones who have passed into glory, what they experienced, amen, please, you will think some of them are not even, you know, sometimes I, I, I talk to the Lord, are you sure you are not partial? If you have those contemplations, Amen. I asked the Lord, I said, I know you are not partial. But there are some men, I know some are foreigners. Like uh, Pastor Siba was saying, I have a message to preach, but I will not. Some of these men are spies who have gone into the world to come. Some had a foretaste. You see, God will not deny a hungry heart. Even if the dispensation is not right. 
How do I know several people? Mary, the sacred work that Jesus was going to do to take the blood to his father. Of course, you know, I preached once he's doing that. No man is permitted to touch him or see him. He's not supposed to be defiled. But the hunger of a woman made him stop and hold the story of redemption for a while. Are we, are we suspended? And came to I said, Mary, you could feel the depth of affection he had for that woman. And he's looking for a church like that. Apostles have come and they left. They came. They didn't know the scriptures. They came. They didn't see his body. He's been with them for ages. He's been with them. They had spent more time with him than Mary. But yet, they didn't know him. They didn't know the scriptures. Because the hunger level was different. Without the Holy Ghost, a woman had such, like he said, you see, agape love is deep affection for God. And I said, Jesus, you see, when you are listening to them, don't hear the awards. Like we say, it's not the mouth that preaches the gospel. It's the feet. How beautiful are the feet of them. So when they are talking, look at their feet. One or two statements will come out. In the multitude of words they say, one or two statements will come out. It will show their feet. How it is planted on Mount Zion. Their feet are there. And so, my quest and question, how? What did they touch? What did God show them that captured their heart and their focus and their attention that this world can't distract them? They live in a place where they are not distracted at all. They have a singular eye. They are not distracted like us. We have many things. Ministry distracts us. Planning distracts us. Finances distract us. But they are focused. I was listening to Rodney Howard Brown, if you know him. He's the mother father of 
modern day revivals in America, Pentecost, Pensacola, and the rest and the rest. He began to see how he began to hunger for God. He said, God, to a place. He said, God, if you don't come down, I know it's not a ready theological prayer. <laughs> Amen. If you don't come down, I will come over there and meet you. And God answered him. You see a Moses. When he said, show me your glory. It wasn't cloud. He was asking for physical white cloud. Because God said, I had revealed my, I speak to him face to face. As a man speaketh to his friend. Old Testament. What he was asking God was to become a quickening spirit. He wanted to cross. He had seen. He had seen. He said, you have begun to show me your glory. He wanted to become Christ. God said, Kai, Kai, this place can only happen by the sacrifice of one of us. His blood has to be spilled. Just see one dimension. The rest three. Amen. I'm just going to run through the things he said. It's spiritual protocol. Amen. I want to really beg all of us. Find this man. Listen to them. Yes, well, that's the first thing Pastor Francis said. Find this man. Listen to them. They have inheritance. And we can't come into ours if we don't honor them. Because honor is the highest virtue in the spirit. Highest virtue. And what you don't honor. So Father, we deliberately honor this man. Lord, you give us men. You give us witnesses. We are grateful. You've not. You've not left us fatherless. Thank you for keeping them. <laughs> 
thank you for showing a generation the reward of walking with God. The reward of seeking you. The reward of knowing you. They are not the wealthiest men on earth. They have many afflictions. But they are friends of God. And God is I want us to consciously see while we are doing that little worship. I saw his spirit come in. That's Papa Paul Q. Davis. I saw his spirit walk in. Please permit me. We honor you. We honor these mysteries of your kingdom. We honor the fathers who have fought darknesses, fought to keep the waters of God pure from pollution, who have laid down their lives. Only you know the silent tears, the sacrifices, the, the fasting, the praying, the, the consecration, the loss. How they suffer the loss of all things. How they have been crucified to this world and this world to them. Just to keep the gospel pure, undiluted. So that a generation can have pure water to drink. A generation can have pure water to drink. It's scarce, it's scarce. A lot of pollutions to keep the waters of God pure. You have to. It's great sacrifice. Lord, we are also praying for ourselves. As you have helped this man, you will help us. You will help us. You will help me. You will help. You will help us, Lord. I want us to talk to the Lord. Yeah, God. Can we just talk to can you just express your hunger to him? Spirit of the Lord. Can we talk to the Lord?
have mercy on us. We thank you for this rich heritage. We thank you for this rich heritage. Thank you for witnesses you've kept. Who have told us the land is good. The land is good. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. We've heard what they're saying. We've seen it in their lives. In their testimony. In their conversations. In all manner of their holy living. Talk to the Lord. Help me, God. Help me. Walk in us that which is well pleasing in your sight. It is you that is at work in us but to will and to do of your good pleasure. Lord, we submit to the tutelage of your spirit. We submit to you, Lord. We ask for mercy. That the consecration they, they encountered, the hunger they encountered, that you pass it to us also. I want us to cry to God. Hallelujah.
sing the song and the cloud of witnesses the victory of the Lamb over the hi 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 Kai Jesus oh my God of this life that are just coming in here they're just coming in we all know all you we all know your labors we're just coming into the harvest of your labors they are coming in they are coming in they are coming in is here and the Makai is a friend of Anakaya Saini and Kevin and Tofili Anakai and Hitaziano please it's true I also see Bob Jones it's here
song of our victory. The song of our is a song of assets. It's a song of overcomers. Concentrate, not cut off, just concentrate. Please, this is true. I just see the spirit. Paul said, While I was absent in the body, but I was present with you in the spirit. Beholding your order, I'm seeing the spirit of Paul, Papa Paul Kim Davis, just going around, just putting deposits. Hallelujah. I see him with his angel, just polishing feet, polishing walk, opening parts. Some of you, you our vessels that lack oil. I see him pouring some of his oil into your vessels. Pouring your oil. Oh my God. I'm seeing someone here. You, like you were saying, you are locked up in one dark place. You can't progress in your walk with God. You've tried, you've cried. But I just see Papa Paul King Davis just take you by the hands and walk you through. Walk you out of that darkness. As he took you by the hands, the prison doors opened. to engage this morning, this afternoon, just engage, just engage, I ask 
to speak to us. Please, there's someone if you can. signify Push like never before. Push. Uh, 
The songs must be much. Time is up. Time is up. Church must awaken. You must be ready. Cross darkness is coming and you must be ready. <laughs> Prepare. No more excuses. Prepare. Preparation. There is consecration. Separation, generation of holiness. Fire from the throne. So terrified. Separate us. Fire, fire from your throne. Fire from your throne. Burn up every throne. Separate us by the fire of your throne. Fire from the eyes of Yahweh fall upon us. Separate us by the fire from your throne. And he said he will see it as a purifier of the sons of Levi. He will purify them of silver and of gold. He will separate us from the mischiefs. He will separate us from syncretism. He will separate us from false worship. He will separate us. He will separate us by his fire. He will separate us by his fire. The places of our mischiefs. The places of impurities, the places of false allegiance, the places of false alignment. He will separate us and we have a church holy, holy, three times holy unto God. Church from the worship of idols, Elijah awaken the church. Spirit of Elijah. 
was on hunger for the presence of God and for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his emphasis. And if you read Second Peter, because of time, chapter 3, Just continue what you're doing. I'm not interrupting you. So this second epistle, beloved, I am and I write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words 
which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. For some of us who don't believe in the Old Testament, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Peter is saying here, without them, you are not complete. Without the scripture, see that you may be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the prophets. And us, his holy apostles, is one book, one faith, one Lord. If you are reading it and you are seeing a dichotomy, amen, and you are not seeing a union, because a wise householder is he that bringeth forth out of his treasure, both old and new. So his emphasis, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust. What does he mean, the spirit of a scoffer? Amen. A, a child of God can have it. That is, his passions have been muted. Or what the Bible also called the spirit of slumber is a maintenance attitude. Amen. That desperation. Like Paul said, we earnestly desire that this mortality will be clothed by life. Not just desire, it's an earnest desire. And so what the spirit of the age primarily wants to do is to mute your hunger and mute your cry because we have received not the spirit of this world but the spirit that is from God we are which we cry Abba Father Amen. It's not physical tears. It's that the soul refuses to be muted. It refuses the call and the beckonings of the spirit of this age. The noise out there, it keeps its cry for Abba. It takes great power to keep your cry. Unfortunately, the majority, like he was saying, Amen. It's a religion that has been replaced. Apostle Peter warns us. Praise the name of the Lord. I, I am not making them up. What is Apostle Peter is here too. He's here to honor your presence.
He said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Amen. Because the gospel without the supernatural is cunningly devised fables. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. But we are eyewitnesses of him. When we are in the holy mount, we heard the voice from the excellent glory, excellent majesty. Said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I'm hearing him say, don't settle. Don't settle. Press into the spirit. Press into the supernatural. So your words will carry power. Your words will carry a witness of the things you are saying. Press into the spirit. Press. Don't stay in the place. Because what the world wants to hear are not fables. Fables can't change the darkness that has come upon the world. You must press into the Lord, into the spirit. So your words will carry authority and power. In our days, it was the power of the Lord and the validation of the Lord upon our words that changed civilization, brought Rome to her knees. Yeah, even Rome could not contain us. Rome fought us with all her arsenal, but we came out victorious. Yeah, even in your days, you must climb the mountains of God. You must come to the peak of Zion, the government of God. You must come there and become eyewitnesses and hear the voice from the excellent majesty. You must hear the voice from the excellent majesty. That was our authorization. That voice was our authorization. It was out of that voice many voices came out. Even the epistles we wrote. It was that one voice that began to re-echo. We kept hearing the voices in the voice. We began to keep hearing the voices in the voice. And out of that voice, voices came. And that was how we were able to pen the epistles. It will not be different in your day. It will not be different in your day. But you have to leave the plains and come. Journey with Jesus. Journey with Christ. Journey with him. Let him take you to the mountaintop. Where there is no distraction. And the voices that mute my voice. The voices that mute the voices of the Lord. When you come there you will hear clearly. And you will be commissioned. And out of that voice, your own voice will come out. Many voices will come out. And your voice will be like the voice of many waters. It was that voice that replicated and duplicated itself. It was that voice that Apostle Paul preached. You must preach the voice from the excellent majesty. You must preach the voice from the excellent majesty. 
And so I bring this witness today. I bring this witness today. It's a long heritage. It's a long heritage. I bring you this witness this day. I bring you this witness. seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought he to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God amen wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fire and heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for a new heavens Look for new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the suffering of the Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, had written unto you, looking for and hastening. So he's our looking that hasting that age. It's our looking for it. It's our searching. It's our endless desire. I was listening to Papa Bill Johnson. How he had the encounter. He said, go to a place and say, God at any cost. That had become my motto. God at any cost. God at any cost. Whatever the cost. And then when he had the encounter and then he wanted to run away from it, the Lord said, and was reminding him, you told me, me at any cost. Then he said, you can do whatever you want to do with me if I will have you in exchange. Anything. I want us to pray. Just pray. I don't know. Can we just pray for hunger? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Blessed are they. Bless me with this blessedness. Bless us with this blessedness. Can we pray? Can we pray? Can we pray? Can we pray? Can 
Can we pray? The highest creatures in the realm of creation or in the realm of creatures are the cherubims why eyes within and without and the rest not day or night crying holy holy is their look their powers are their look their powers are their eyes just to focus on God I want us to ask for strength can we pray? Now be blessed with eyes within and without. In Jesus' name, can I make a little explanation? You know, there are two dimensions of the eyes of God. There is the eyes of the ego, which is a prophetic eye. It can open scriptures and have depth and preach depths. That eye can be corrupted because you can capture an ego. His sight is also his weakness because you can set a trap and then from 40,000 feet above sea level you can see the trap and you will think it's meat and then get caught up in the trap this, this, the eye of the dove is different that eye of the dove if you read songs of Solomon amen. that kind of dove what it does once it locks eye with the mate amen. the image of the mate is forever imprinted in the eyes so if you look into the male eye you will see the female if you look into the female you will see the male amen. if the male dies the female can remarry that male has renewed her for life she can remarry there is nothing, no matter how pretty and handsome another male dove is, she can't be moved. That's what we seal her from adultery. Adultery. Eyes for another. With prophetic eyes, you can have eyes for another. But the eyes of a dove is just on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto, there is no distraction. I want us to receive grace for the eyes of a dove. It's a meek eyes. It's an eye without bile. An eagle still has bile inside. It still has bile. 
God, we pray in the name of Jesus. So when you hear eyes within and eyes without, it's not just the eye of an eagle, it's the eye of a dove, it's the eye of the spirit. Amalia Kafalia Kasina Ekapeli Kataya You eat that eyes of gaze on the Lord so much that all guile and bile has been evacuated from the system. No more guile. As they said, they stand on Mount Zion. There was no guile found in their mouth. I want us to talk to the Lord. I'm supposed to migrate from the eye of an eagle to the eyes of a dove. Talk to the law if you are desperate, law. God, mercy on me. I want this thing so bad, so bad. Help my weaknesses. Help Kaisa. I'm a Kaisa. I'm a Kaisa. I'm a Lika. My infirmities I bring before you. I come on a Hatayele. I come on a Yala Kataya. I freketele me Kaile he. I come on a Hatayele he. I freketoni a Kai. I frekaile he. I frekitane mania Kai. I chenta ili makaya. Ayala sa. Oh, Nemekesilia Kaya, Hetefekenia Nemekailehena, Ekafaile Brekesite Nemekaila Hai, Ekanama Hata Casiteli, Embrali Kafanaya Nekesia Taya, Ekafeliele Mekaile Heliasi, Enabakataile Bregadia Nehelia Kaya, Eshanabalia Katailehe, Ekanabalia Cassini Meheliana, Ekafayana Hata Kaile Brekesini Hai. Entaile brekeliana, eketaya la vacasiteni, eketaile bregadia lehelia lekaya, eketaile brekeliana lehela hata. And we talk to the Lord. The things that distract us. 
the things that take away our attention and our focus on the law and our affection from the law. Temporal things. Lord, we receive deliverance, we receive strength. So this is how the blueprint is imprinted upon our soul by just looking, just looking at Jesus, just looking. That's all he called us to do. That's all our job description, looking unto Jesus. Looking on to Father, we ask for strength. I want to read a scripture. Songs of Solomon chapter 4. Behold, thou art fair. This word fear is beautiful. My love, behold, thou art fair. Thou hast those eyes within thy locks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. Uh, no time for this. Thy teeth are like a flock of sheep that I even shone, which came from the washing, whereof everyone bear twins, and none is barren among them. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet. That thread of scarlet, the, the lips only speak Christ. There's no idolatrous name. It's Christ that tongue has been configured. And how did he achieve it by look? Thy thou have those eyes within thy locks. Thou art all fair. It's just the look that beautified her. You, you was talking about the bride. It's just her look. Just looking at Jesus is our job description. Not to be preachers. Not to grow ministry. They didn't call you to grow ministry. 
that even call you to lead the people the job description looking unto Jesus we do everything else except that because Babylon will call you is a he that looketh after after whom and to lust after her has already committed adultery the woman is the woman of satan is this world is the spirit of this age can we pray for deliverance i don't know about you but can all of you, it's not some fearless, it's all. We keep looking until we are changed. Until we are changed. We all with unveiled faces, as beholding in the mirror, the glory of God, have been changed into the same. Bless me with hunger. Bless us with hunger. On insatiable hunger in a common heart to see a capanae le casaya, a capanone me ketaile hena, a freketaile brecosai, embralia cafana hata, a freketele brecale, a freketoni anaka, angeli mekaile he, a canamana hataye, a canamana hata, a fendiana cataile he, embrali cafanaiana high, a cataia It's just a look that build the structures of Christ. All those things, hair, teeth, they are Christ structures. They are the structures of Christ. And it came just by a look, just by looking. Thou hast no eyes within thy locks. this present away it's our look manakafasana manahatekea 
Verse 4, thy neck is like the tower of David, builded for an armory, whereon there hanged a thousand bucklers, all shield of mighty men. Amen. This is spiritual allegory. Thy two breasts are like two young rows that are twins, which feeded among the lilies. Those two breasts is not a human, this female description. The two breasts are the soul, is the mind and the heart. I like two young rows. That row is a deer. If you read further, my beloved is like a young row. Have you seen a deer leap? As the deer panted after the water brooks, that is the mind and the soul. I've come into the energies of the spirit. I've come into desires of God. We pray and ask for mercy. That is the soul has come into the exact speed of the spirit. No more time lag, no more dichotomy. The soul and the spirit have become one. They've married and he all came by the look of the soul. On the Lord Jesus Christ, can we pray in Makaya Siniakaya? Whatever is still in my eyes, Hallelujah. You know, the Lord just, just whispered to me. When the bow is the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to what? Destroy. That what he primarily comes to destroy and kill and steal are your eyes. And that was all the first thing he did to Samson. Plucked out his eye. When he plucked out the eyes of Samson, he became a slave. To the Philistines. I know what Philistines mean. Flesh. It's flesh. That's what Philistine. He became a slave to the Philistine. And what happened? His consecration. It's our eyes. And I'm not talking about mysterious eyes that see into that is part of it. I'm just talking about simple devotion to Jesus. It's simple. The gospel is simple. Really. It's the simplicity. Just Jesus, I love you. There's nothing I desire but you. Not ministry. Not fame. Not fortune. It's you. I love you. You know. I don't care about ministry. 
most of us don't know that is the greatest spiritual warfare hunger it's not I bind the spirit here we come against the principal usually you get a backlash you usually get backlash but in that your secret place hungering for Jesus I love you you know If you read chapter 5 and chapter 6, the Lord began to call her my dove. It was my beloved, my beloved, but she morphed and became a dove. She became totally spirit. You know, I make a controversial statement that you might not agree with. Don't ask God to use you. Ask to become his friend. Don't ask him to use you. He actually doesn't use people. Like, you heard what he said. He gives instruction to servants. Go and do this. Yes, sir. Go and do this. But friends, they discuss. Why? I don't want that. I don't want to be a servant. Shall I never pray? Use me. It's a longer process. I want to be your friend. What does it take to be your friend? Please, I close with this. Not out of fright, please. It's not an issue. I was taken to heaven one time and I saw the seven spirits of God. And people were in classrooms, somewhere in the spirit of wisdom, revelation, all of them, seven of them. And the classes were very few. The spirit of the fear of the Lord had maybe like three people was few, few, few. And on the whiteboard, what they were teaching, I saw a large heart of the father. His heart. And that was what they were teaching. It was his heart they were teaching. Friendship. But the pain was that. I wasn't there. I was just taken there to see. I wasn't in the class. And the pain is that it's few who are seeking friendship. Many want to be used.
You will only trust friends with the powers of the ages to come. You won't trust anybody else. You will trust some measure to servants. Can we talk to the Lord? And the strength to continue his hunger. Blessed are they that are hunger and thirst. They shall be filled. Thank you, Lord. Can we thank him? Can we thank him? Asa Hataka. I no longer call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master does. But I have called you friends. So the highest desire that we should live from this place, we should live with, is to be a friend of. Join us, says something he said. One of the highest heights you can get to, or the highest height you can get to, is the love of the Father. The Father's love. If you get there, you have got there. Can we just pray and say, Lord, increase my hunger, my thirst, and my passion? Help us, oh God. <laughs> Many of us, we are so dry. Our heart is so dry. No moisture, nothing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You know the prayer didn't finish here. It must go on even in our closet. Right about now, we want to take the communion and just like Papa was talking, I'm talking about Papa K. David was talking about the fact that you can enter into the age to come through, I mean, in the power of immortality via this mystery of God. Via this communion. He said, just take the cup and speak life into it. You enact that covenant and it will work for you. 
And he reminded us of Sarai, our mother, that when Abraham, Sarai and Abraham, when they went to the land of Philistine, the Bible said the king was looking at a young lady so attracted that he actually wanted to have carnal knowledge with her. That is not normal. That is what we are about to contact here. I like for us to stretch forth our hands and release the power of age to come, the immortality within us, even as we partake it, that we'll experience that in his sex. We can experience it. Yes, we can extinguish anything called death. Death can be conquered even right in this present age. Ashana Katoba. Let's pray. Let's pray. Eprendo setekabarabaraya. Ekwana kwato prande sotolaya. Thank you, Father. Asana Kataya. Please, I would like to call. As I pray, I would like to call Pastor Destiny, Pastor Dan, and uh, Pastor Uche, Bishop Adeyemi, and Pastor. Lord, we thank you because in you, the Bible says in him was life. And that life was the light of man. And then you dwell in the immortality in that light. We are asking that the immortal power, the power of the age to come, come upon this wine and this bread in the name of Jesus. As we partake, we enact the power of the hate to come in us. We extinguish activities of death in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beloved and 
Hallelujah. Please, we have the offering box there. As we are led, just feel free in the spirit and put it there. Just rise there. You can rise from your seat there and just drop it there. I am asked to, uh, no, to tell us that Ibram Hall, the table is set for us for our lunch. God bless you. We are coming back together by 4 p.m. God bless you as you comply. The meeting is closed for this session. I have already said. Hebron Hall, our refreshment is waiting for us. God bless you.